Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Anybody who worships the beast and his statue or accepts his mark on the forehead or on the hand must drink the wine of God's anger or of God's wrath. What that is saying is this, because you refuse to have Jesus drink of that cup for you, now you get to drink it. That's what happens when people reject Jesus. Because there's Jesus going to the cross and he says, Lord, if there's any way possible, please take this cup from me. The cup of what? The cup of his wrath. There's certain things that I think most of us wish that someone else could do in our place. If you could, wouldn't you let someone else go to the dentist and get that root canal for you? That would be great, wouldn't it? Well, at least for you. In today's message, Pastor James teaches that when Jesus died on the cross, he took on himself God's wrath in our place. There's coming a time when it will be too late to accept what Jesus did for you. If you wait too long, you'll have to face God's wrath for yourself. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Revelation chapter 14 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. The world was promoting a false prophet who was full of deceit. The world was worshiping or will be worshiping the dragon whose name is deceit. And here's 144,000 faithful witnesses just speaking the truth, speaking the truth. And they get to sing this song. We'll transition away from these guys now. They've had their scene in the end times, like they've had their scene and they were on the planet, they faithfully did what they were called to do and they did it well, they finished well, good job fellas and then they all get to sing this beautiful song in heaven, we'll wait to hear that one day. Now we get to see some angels participating in the end times here. There's three specific angels that we're going to be talking about. It says, I saw another angel flying through the sky, through the air, through the heavens, carrying the eternal good news or the gospel to proclaim to the people who belong to this world every nation, tribe, language, and people. Fear God, he shouted. Give glory to him, for the time has come when he will sit as judge. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. This is this one angel is flying through the atmosphere, shouting this out all the time. There's a few different thoughts on this. Is it a real angel or is it radio waves? Because that's another thought, right? And so, or is it television broadcast? And that's why one Christian station is like Angel One or something like that, right? Because their thought is like, we'll keep radio waves going. We'll put all these sermons. And so what this will be is like sermons and the gospel being proclaimed all throughout the nation. I believe this is an angel preaching the gospel. That's what I believe. I think this is literally, there is an angel that will be flying through the skies proclaiming to every single person on this planet, regardless of where they're at, there will be no language barrier. There will be no language barrier. What this angel proclaims will be heard by all and will be understood by all. It will not be received by all, but it will be understood by all. 
I think it's really going to be an angel. Lots of people have had different thoughts concerning this. Um, some people have thought, you know, like in the 17 or 1800s, some people thought this was like the uh, Bible translating kind of like, you know, society, because their goal was to translate the Bible into every tongue and every language. Um, well, we still haven't even reached that goal. We still haven't even hit that mark, right? We shared that statistic with, I um, can't remember who the group was, Wycliffe, I believe, that, um, you know, their goal is by 2025 to have, you know, every language covered. And they're well on their way to hitting that goal. But um, this angel, he doesn't need us. He doesn't need us. This is the fantastic thing about this whole scenario is God could use angels anytime he wanted to. Number one, they would do a way better job than us, okay? A phenomenal job, I'm sure of it, okay? An angel shows up and says, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. I'm like, okay, um, yes, <laughs> yes, because I don't. you're an angel, um, of course. Uh, he's flying through the sky shouting out this message. That's going to get my attention too. I'm like, well, I grew up in church, but man, that's something I've never seen before. Um, what's that? And he's saying something I've, I've never really paid attention to before. Angels could do such a better job, yet it is so amazing that God has commissioned all of us to share the gospel. You're like, really, Lord? You want us? And the angels, maybe the angels are like, really? I don't know what they're thinking, but they're probably like, well, oh, this is an interesting choice there. Um, in the end times, there will be this one who gets set loose, and he gets to proclaim the gospel, and people will respond. People will hear it. That's good news. That's such good news. We've gone through all this stuff, destruction and a third of this and a third of that and people and and all this and seeking death and not being able to find death and, and just craziness, craziness, craziness. But in the midst of all that, the gospel is being proclaimed and people are surrendering their lives to Jesus. Hold on to that good news because you may not be afraid of the tribulation. And if you're a believer, I don't believe you need to be afraid of the tribulation, even if there is no pre-trib rapture. You can go through the tribulation time period. You'll be fine. Well, what if I die? Hey, I mean, I'm not like, I'm, I don't want to be all dark or anything, but I would agree with the, the Apostle Paul. To live is Christ, to die is gain, okay? Now, when it comes down to it, you might be singing a different song, right? And be like, oh, man, Lord, uh, this is hard to put in practice. But I pray that we would be as strong as all those martyrs who have gone before us. Read Fox's book of martyrs. It's a phenomenal book. Great book of individuals who went through some of this stuff in one sense. But this angel will be proclaiming the gospel and people will respond to it. So maybe you have a loved one who doesn't want anything to do with Jesus, well, maybe their time to surrender to him, maybe at the darkest, darkest night, so to speak. I don't know. But I do know this. It doesn't matter how dark it gets. It doesn't matter how bleak it seems. It does not matter because as long as God is on the throne, then hope remains for everyone, okay, for everybody. So he proclaims this message He's calling on everybody to repent, to worship God. Don't worship this idol. Don't worship this false prophet. Don't worship the Antichrist. Don't worship these guys. Don't worship the dragon. Worship God. Then there's another angel, verse 8, followed him throughout the sky shouting, Babylon is fallen. That great city is fallen because she made all the nations of the world drink the wine of her passionate immorality. So Babylon, this tremendous city. 
uh, goes all the way back to Genesis, a city that has always been kind of against God, right? You got the Tower of Babel. What was the goal there? The goal is to build this ziggurat, right? This little pyramid kind of spiral type thing up into the heavens. Why? Because we just got to prove to God that we're better than him, that we're better than him. And God's like, well, that's funny. Here, new languages, boom. And they're all like, we can't talk to each other. And so they all spread out um, because they were all accumulating together. And God's like, nah, go be fruitful, multiply, spread out over the earth. No, God, we're better than you. We're smarter than you. Um, It kind of started there. And it kind of started with Nimrod. Nimrod was a hunter of men. and, you know, despite his namesake, you know, Nimrod, just, it's not a compliment. You don't call somebody a Nimrod complimenting them, okay? It maybe seems like a dated term now, but um, he was a hunter of men. He uh, took individuals captive, slaves, bad dude, really bad dude. So Babylon, and he seemed to be like the, you know, started Babylon in one sense, right? So he's always connected to there. But all throughout history, Babylon has just been this thing that's been coming against Israel, coming against God's people. And you have this uh, setup, this spiritual kind of aspect to Babylon as well. But this angel is proclaiming to everybody in the world, like, look, the great city of Babylon has fallen. We'll get into that later on in a few chapters down the road. So we're not going to press into that too much further. But Babylon is fallen. So that follows up right behind the gospel. Worship God. But what about this whole infrastructure and one world this and one world that and all? No, no, it's done. It's fallen. It's fallen. What about that Antichrist? He's the political leader. No, no, no. He's done. Done. Follow God. You're giving him a heads up. There's a third angel. Third angel followed them. So you have one two, three angels flying throughout the sky, okay? In case one wasn't enough, you got three. Anyone who worships the beast in his statue or accepts his mark on the forehead or the hand must drink the wine of God's anger or of God's wrath. So there's a little indication there. Anybody who worships the beast, this is in connection to receiving the mark. So what you need to understand there is it's saying this, By receiving the mark of the beast, whether you get that thing on your hand or you get it on your head, you are willfully acknowledging that, yes, worship is a part of this. And worshiping the Antichrist and the dragon, who is Satan, throw the false prophet in there as well. You, by taking it, you are fully acknowledging and agreeing with worshiping those guys. That's why nobody's going to get tricked into this, okay? So it gets thrown out there of like, hey, here's this mark. You have to have it. You have to worship him. You have to identify this guy. Caesar is Lord, okay? Except it'll be in modern terms where it's like the Antichrist and this image that we built up and set up and the desecration of the temple and all that stuff. You have to worship this guy. And you will show your allegiance. You will pledge your allegiance to this Antichrist. And by doing so, you are taking his seal upon you. It's this counterfeit to Christianity is what it is. Because when Jesus shows up in your life, he says, hey, listen, surrender to me. Follow me. Pledge your allegiance to me. Worship me. And I'm going to put my seal on you. We know that from Ephesians chapter 1. That's what he does. It's the same setup with this unholy trinity, with this wicked trinity. Hey, 
you must worship us, and we will know that you worship us by accepting and receiving the seal upon either your forehead or your right hand. So this angel, this third angel, is letting everybody know who willfully bow down to these false deities, more specifically the Antichrist. Here's what he's saying. Because you didn't want Jesus to drink from the cup for you, now you get to drink the cup yourself. That's how you need to see this. So when you see this, it's like the third angel is saying, hey, anybody who worships the beast and his statue or accepts his mark on the forehead or on the hand must drink the wine of God's anger or of God's wrath. What that is saying is this, because you refuse to have Jesus drink of that cup for you, now you get to drink it. That's what happens when people reject Jesus. Because there's Jesus going to the cross, and he says, Lord, if there is any way possible, please take this cup from me. The cup of what? The cup of his wrath that gets poured out onto Jesus. That had my name on it. That had your name on it. There was a cup stored up in heaven for you, for you to drink. And Jesus says, give me that cup. I'll take that cup. I'll down that. I'll drink that. So for anybody who rejects Jesus, what you need to understand is this. That cup is still waiting for you. And if you don't want to let Jesus drink that cup for you, well, then you are expected to drink it yourself. Now, which do you want? I'll take Jesus. I'll take Jesus. This is literally what he is saying. He's communicating to this world that has not been tricked. They have not been duped. They've all said, yes, we will worship this Antichrist. Yes, we will worship him who spews blasphemies against God and against Jesus and against the church and against the Holy Spirit. This one who is always talking junk about these guys. Yes, we will worship them. We'll worship him. The angel says, okay, well, here's your cup. Here's your cup. It says it's been poured full strength into God's cup of wrath, and they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night. It says, for they have worshipped, they have worshipped the beast and his statue and have accepted the mark of his name willingly willingly. So they have to suffer. That's not a doctrine that we like. But remember, the cup of suffering, Jesus stepped in and said, I'll drink so that you don't have to. I'll pay the price that you yourself will never be able to pay. So why suffer eternally? And here's the craziest thing about this is like, if you think they're suffering, which means they will be separated from God forever. No, no, no. God is present the entire time they're suffering. But it's what they wanted. It's what they wanted. So it may be a hard concept to grasp. And again, this is not a subject matter that churches are so, you know, Man, I can't wait till we do our series on hell. You know, that's going to be a fun one. I mean, everybody's going to come in for that one, right? Now, people will stay away from that one. But nobody taught more on hell than Jesus. Nobody did. The next guy who taught almost as much on hell as Jesus was the Apostle John, who is used by God to write this book of Revelation. And I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how smart they may seem. Hell is a real thing. It's a real thing. And yes, I've read the books. 
that tell you that hell is not a real thing. And yes, I've looked at the doctrine from other religions that say, no, 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 God is a merciful God, so he will just annihilate all the bad people. And I'm like, no, then where's the justice? Then where's the justice? So I could just be a bad person, and in the end of it all, I get wiped off the face of existence. Sounds like a good deal. Sounds like a pretty good deal. I can just be as bad as I want to be, and there's no consequences. Now, I understand our understanding of hell may not always be what you know, it's been sometimes communicated, and there's a Western idea of it. But I will tell you this. The Word of God is pretty clear on what that means, on what hell is. And when it talks about fire and torment and all that stuff, it's painting a very real and vivid picture because it is suffering. And before we get all twisted on this thing, hell in the sense of like, let's just call it the end of it all, because the end of it all is the lake of fire, right? The end of it all, we'll see this at the end of Revelation, there's a lake of fire that has always been the destination for Satan and the fallen angels. Anybody who ends up in that thing is there because they stepped over the body of Jesus to get there. I see this all the time, and this is something that turns people off, and people who, you know, go to church and all this stuff, and then they get to this thing, and they're like, I can't, I just can't believe that a God who's supposed to be a God of love would allow people to suffer eternally. And I would say, then you don't understand God. Then you've gotten him wrong the whole time. Because the God that we know from the scriptures doesn't wish that anybody should perish. You don't think it breaks God's heart when his own creation spits in his face all the way to the end of it, and he's offered a free gift of salvation for everybody, for everyone, not wanting anyone to end up there, and wanting nobody to end up there. So much so that he would send his only son to die on a cross. If we don't understand that, then we don't understand who God truly is. Hell is a real thing. It is absolutely a real thing. It was never created for us, but we as people choose to go there. And that's a sad reality. It's absolutely a sad reality. But please do not think that God is just some grouchy old grandpa up in heaven and he can't wait to throw people into hell. That's not how it works. If that's our viewpoint, we need to go back to reading the word of God. We need to really understand what the word actually says. But this message gets proclaimed to these people and he's like, look, You didn't want him. You didn't want Jesus. He was presented to you. Every single person is without an excuse because you got first angel that's buzzing all around saying like, listen, it doesn't matter who you are, but what about those lost tribes? No, they'll be fine. God knows how to get to them. If the church can't get there, if the church won't get there, God knows how to get to those people, okay? That's always been the thing. I've talked to people before, and they're like, I just can't because what about those lost people? I'm like, look, if you really care that much about them, go buy a plane ticket and go find them and tell them about Jesus. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, but then you don't care about them. So don't bring it up, okay? Okay, so don't bring it up unless you actually care about them and you're willing to do something about them. God knows how to rescue anybody. And he can use nature, which is what he's done for thousands of years, to communicate to people that he is real and that he exists. It's amazing. And he's going to use an angel. And an angel is going to go around proclaiming the gospel. 
But there will be people who are like, I don't care if it is an angel in the sky proclaiming the gospel. I don't want anything to do with your Jesus. And that's sad. Listen, that should break your heart, but that breaks God's heart. Please know that. It was his only son. If I sent my son to die on behalf of people and people just turned around and says, I don't care about your son, that would crush me. That would absolutely crush me. And especially if I knew like, no, 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 but he's the only way. He's your only hope. He's your rescue. I hate your son. You don't even know my son. Essentially, this is what's happening. This is what gets communicated. And there's consequences. There are consequences. Reject Jesus. Okay. Then you get to drink the cup. Because he offered to drink it for you. Verse 12, it says, this means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently. You must endure persecution patiently. Obeying his commands and maintaining their faith in Jesus, this applies to you and I today. Because you may be like, well, we're not in tribulation. Hey, guess what? This applies to you and I today. Because I think we're getting glimpses of the fact that the world doesn't really like the church that much, okay? And if you're not in tune to that, just hold on. It'll become a whole lot clearer, I'm sure, in months to come, right? The world does not like the church that much. And that's not to say that everybody in the world or everybody who's lost hates the church because that's not true. But you can sense that there is an undercurrent flowing really rapidly through our nation, our Christian, quote-unquote. And I use quotations because I don't believe our nation's a Christian nation. But it's flowing through our nation saying, like, the church is the problem. The church is the problem. Believers, endure tribulation. Endure persecution. Patiently. Obey his commands. Maintain your faith in Jesus. So it's true for these guys. It's absolutely true for us today. I don't even think we have it all that hard today. But you keep following Jesus. But what if Facebook takes my videos off, you know, Facebook? Who cares? Who cares? Keep following Jesus. Post more videos, right? Drive those guys nuts, right? Do whatever. Whoever those guys are. I don't even know who that is. Who cares? You keep following Jesus. Just keep following Jesus. Because by the way... That will be next. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. I was just thinking about this today as I was going through these chapters and reading through this stuff. I'm like, I bet pretty soon, because these videos, live streams, they run through Facebook, their live service. I'm sure there will be a day where they say, we can't broadcast your service because it contains insensitive material. I'm sure it's coming. So what do we do? We just keep doing what we do. I don't need Facebook. We don't need them. They don't run the world. I don't care if there are a billion people on Facebook. It doesn't matter, okay? We can still do what we do. We still follow Jesus regardless of whatever, whoever may say, right? Don't let it get you down. You just keep following Jesus. All right, so verse 13, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this down, blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on, yes, says the Spirit. They are blessed indeed, for they will rest from all their toils and trials, for their good deeds follow them. The emphasis there is to continue to follow Jesus, regardless of the persecution, regardless of uh, the things that we patiently must endure. uh, We need to just continue to follow Jesus, even if, for these guys in Revelation, the reality was there was going to be costing them their lives. Regardless if it cost them their lives or not, we stay focused on Him. 
Revelation isn't just a dream that John made up to entertain or scare people, but yet I wonder what we feel about the last book of the Bible. John's vision of what he saw in the heavens offers many details and signs about what we can expect to come in the future. I take comfort in these words found in Revelation 21.4, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Oh, what a glorious day that is going to be. Are you ready, friends, for Jesus to return? If you have questions regarding today's message, would you let us know by visiting breadforthebroken.com and submitting your question through email? We look forward to answering your questions and praying for you as well. There's loads of messages from Pastor James Grizzle to be found, so don't navigate away from breadforthebroken.com until you've perused them at your leisure. They're to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus, to encourage and uplift you as you navigate the storms that life throws at you, because we know how rough life gets sometimes. Are you looking for a church to call home, one that's genuine, simple, and uncomplicated? Well, guess what? You found it here with us at Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. Every Sunday at 10 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m., you can find us studying God's Word together. So, would you make some plans to come join us? We sure hope so. We trust that you've been blessed by this edition of Bread for the Broken. See you next time. Let me paint the picture of you, babe.